Welcome to the second bonus episode of Deep Pacific, a podcast that shares Pacifica views and voices. I'm Kalani Regis, your millennial Indigenous advocate and host. I am excited to bring this unexpected bonus episode to your beautiful ears, minds, hearts, and spirits. We are recording in the second week of August 2020, when Black lives all around the world and not just the United States still matter. Breonna Taylor's killers and all other cops with violent records need to be taken off the streets as they are clearly a danger to society if they are trying to stop others from peacefully protesting. And they think we're not paying attention to them. Someone needs to tell them that the whole world is watching, including all of us over here on the other side of the world in Guahan. We see you instigating, kidnapping, and harming these communities, and we're not going to forget that just because Kamala Harris is Biden's VP pick. But also, queer people, especially our Pacifica queer people, still need to be supported. That will not change. Let me begin with the acknowledgement that I am recording on Guahan, Islas Marianas, currently a territory occupied by the U.S. I am not from here, so I am a settler, although I am Chamorro. It is still with respect that I occupy this land and space. Keep a lookout for the next bonus episode on that. We will continue to update you on our social media pages, which are at Deep Pacific Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. So follow us there if you want those updates and want to see awesome retweets and reposts of Pacifica visuals or tweets. In this episode, you will hear about both RIMPAC and a little bit of COVID-19 thrown in because, you know, we can't get enough of that during these turbulent times. You will hear again from our favorite angry Hawaiian, our Kanaka Maoli activist Kavena, coming through with a timely update on RIMPAC in Hawaii, and I will let him handle that. Also, you will hear from Elise a Tongan diaspora woman living in California, fighting the good fight there for our West Coast Pacifica diaspora. You may have seen Alisi's interview in the LA Times that was circulating networks a few weeks ago. I will include a link to the article as I tweet this episode out, as well as in the show notes. So let's dive in. We begin every episode with a quote from an indigenous person that resonates. Today's quote is an excerpt from the poem After North Korea's Threat, which I will include a link to in the show notes. We've been in crosshairs since missionaries aimed Jesus at our beach. We've been targets that breathe. If the bombs fall and they ask where we come from, point to the crater on the map. Say, if war is hell, then we're from purgatory. Always in the middle of men playing God of countries blasting the heaven from our holy ocean. Mom, Pa, you don't deserve to take bullets for these tyrants. Take only what you can carry. Those were excerpts from Meta Sarmiento's spoken word poetry entitled After North Korea's Threat. Meta is an award-winning Guamanian Filipino rapper, spoken word poet, TEDx speaker, author, who graduated from the University of Guam, and also a friend who I deeply admire. I bought his book of poems entitled Tie Your Shoes Kid in 2017 and attended two of his poetry performances in Las Vegas that year. They were that good. Check out his TEDx talk, Finding Strength in a World Obsessed with Size on YouTube. I will include a link to this in the show notes as well as a link to the rest of that amazing spoken word poem. Once again, the title was After North Korea's Threat. 
This quote resonates because this episode will basically be an update on ongoing militarization in the Pacific. Meta's stark words, we've been targets that breathe, really hit me hard there. And it should hit all of us with roots in the Pacific pretty hard because all of us are feeling, have felt, and will continue to feel the effects of a trigger-happy colonizer like the U.S. if we, you know, fail to act on what is right for ourselves, our Pacifica cousins, our lands, and our ocean. As this is relevant, I would also like to acknowledge that the Hawaiian Kingdom has been occupied by my colonizer, the United States, since the American businessmen conspired to overthrow Hawaii's last queen, Queen Liliu Kalani in 1893, followed by their annexation and becoming a state against the will of the indigenous Kanakamali in 1959. I reach out my hand in solidarity across the Pacific to support Kanakamali in their fight for sovereignty, and I recognize the Hawaiian Kingdom as a sovereign nation under siege. As this is the second bonus episode, I wanted to use this as an update to the very first one we ever did on RIMPAC, Rim of the Pacific Exercises, which came out about four weeks ago so if you haven't heard it yet i highly recommend you go back and listen to it because i'm not saying all that traumatizing stuff about rimpak again to be honest but it did give really great info and uh, you can hear kavena and i speak about rimpak more in detail there you should totally check that episode out whether you're from hawaii or not and if you want even more stuff about rimpak the cancel rimpak coalition has great updates which they post to their instagram so I would follow them there for that. I personally really enjoyed their Rimpak collective poem, an excerpt of which I read on the Rimpak bonus episode as the quote there. And you see, it's things like poems that really resonate and change my thinking entirely sometimes. Art does this to people. Artists working to cancel Rimpak has never been more symbolic of 2020. This is tied into our upcoming episode, actually, on artivism, which I will tell you right now is going to drop this upcoming weekend, hopefully. Viva Pacifica! I had actually planned to drop this episode last weekend, but technical difficulties, you know, they happened, and such is life, and that's okay, but I still appreciate your understanding. And in case you're wondering what the difference between a bonus episode and a regular episode is, let me enlighten you. A bonus episode is an episode that does deep dives into topics more specific to one region. And um, because RIMPAC occurs in Hawaii, I decided that this would be best suited for that. The aim for bonus episodes is to provide a platform for specific issues so that we can be more well-informed about what's going on with our Pacifica Familia. Which is why you will not only hear an update for RIMPAC, but you will hear a short update for how COVID-19 is affecting Pacifica communities in the U.S., where you might actually be living, which in that case, hang on real quick, let me do the sign of the cross for you. Amen. Ooh, you need that. We are still in the midst, for some not even in the second wave yet, of a coronavirus pandemic where... COVID-19 spread is running rampant. This pandemic has exposed everything that is wrong with our societies, especially that of my capitalist oil-hungry colonizer, the United States, a country which has decided to push forward with the Rim of the Pacific exercises, so they are still slated to happen in the waters off of Hawaii, 
even with COVID spread on ships being disgustingly quick because they're basically petri dishes for viruses and sickness. Some people would, you know, counter this and say, oh, at least they're only bringing in this amount of troops or countries or bombs or guns, as if any amount would make us happy. If you've been listening to Deep Pacific, I hope you know that the only happiness I derive from militarization is if it is done in accordance and consultation with the island nations which they affect. Anything less? Nope. We are demilitarizing. However, we do have a small victory to report. Very, very small victory, but, you know, baby steps. Like Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. And now I will let Kavena fill you in. Aloha everyone, this is Kavena Kapuhua here with an update on the efforts to cancel the RIMPAC War Games. It's been a couple weeks since the last time you heard from me about RIMPAC, and we are now just under a week away from RIMPAC attempting to take place here in Hawaii. It'll begin, or it's attempting to begin, on the 17th of August, which is this coming Monday. Uh, and will run till the 31st. So since that time, there's been a lot of developments. The Cancel Impact Coalition, which is, again, a group of concerned activists, environmentalists, community members, scholars, um, and just people in the community as well, has delivered our petition to the governor of Hawaii with 12,000 plus signatures and widespread support to oppose the war games. And in that time, the two days since then, uh, the governor has already responded. The state government has rescinded the exemption for military families to avoid the 14-day mandatory quarantine for all those entering Hawaii. So that's a huge victory, and I'm really grateful to everyone who helped contribute to that, especially those listeners of this podcast who signed our petitions and spread the word and helped make sure that our words did not fall on deaf ears and that the elected officials felt the pressure of the people. Uh, and when we went to drop off this petition, it was pretty ironic. To drop off our petition, there was maybe five of us. So they wouldn't even allow us into their office to drop it off. We had to put it on the floor, uh, like on the ground outside the state capitol, and one of them came out to grab it. They wouldn't let five of us into an office, but they're going to let thousands upon thousands of troops not only from the American empire, but from nine other nations around the world come to Hawaii. And as Hawaii is seeing its triple digit spikes every single day, uh, and the worst case numbers in the entirety of the pandemic, as our hospitals reach full capacity and our health system begins to fail, they're going to allow thousands upon thousands of military personnel to come into Hawaii and further expose us to this risk and bring them in to continue to destroy and desecrate Hawaiian land and waters, and to have them come in and continue to exploit and abuse Hawaiian women and women of color in Hawaii, particularly those pushed into sex trafficking. There's a lot of efforts continuing to you know, stop this. So while the quarantine exemption has been rescinded for the military, we are still pushing for the full cancellation of RIMPAC, and we are stepping up efforts to do so. Um, we found out of which nine nations have been confirmed to be attending this year. In previous years, it's been as many as 22. This year, it's nine, which means the number has been cut in half, which should be an indication how many nations are not willing to participate in these war games and put themselves at risk, given that America is the number one uh, nation for the most coronavirus cases and deaths 
as of late. So we can take advantage of that to show that this is extremely unpopular, even across the world, even with U.S. allies. Uh, and in addition to this, the nations that are coming are still concerning. Currently on their way here includes the nation of Indonesia, which, as I've mentioned before, is currently committing genocide in West Papua against black Pacific Islanders, black indigenous Pacific Islanders. And this, of course, is a crime against humanity. It is horrible and wrong and atrocious, and it is being completely set up, approved of, and supported by the U.S. war machine by allowing them to train on occupied Hawaiian land and waters to train them to go home and use the tactics they learn at RIMPAC against the oppressed people of West Papua and to continue their genocide against them. And this is completely unacceptable. In addition to this, uh, the Philippines is also sending some ships, which, as we know, the Philippines just passed a very unpopular, very concerning anti-terror law, uh, which contributes to the slide toward fascism uh, and the continued eroding of civil liberties and human rights in the Philippines under Duterte. And it's very concerning, again, that these militaries that continue to do oppressing back on their home soil or their occupied soil continue to come here and learn the ways of oppression and genocide and militarism from the number one offender, the United States. So there's more developments on that end in terms of, you know, the nation's coming. It's very concerning. We also are seeing another celebration of militarism going on at the same time as the U.S. is currently celebrating the end of World War II once again. So they've brought a lot of old historic planes and war machines to celebrate their militarism and how they turned the Pacific, particularly the Pacific Islands, into a battlefield and killed thousands upon thousands of us. Okinawa knows this very well, um, and that's why many Okinawans are currently supporting this, the Cancer Impact efforts. And we continue to work with our partners abroad, outside of Hawaii, across the Pacific, and across the world to try and cancel RIMPAC. And so in addition to this, we have some big successes. Um, of course, it's going to be only at sea this year, which is great. We are also, again, seeing the exemption from quarantine being rescinded for military. And while we have these victories, we can't pause. We have to keep moving forward to the full cancellation of RIMPAC and protection of our land and waters. And so to do that, we are stepping up resistance. So this coming week, please continue signing the petition. Um, we're going to try and find a way to get it to the DOD, or the Department of Defense. And also, please continue speaking out against RIMPAC. If you are living in a participating nation, again, there are nine this year, please call your elected officials. Please send them letters or let them know somehow that you disagree with them participating, how irresponsible it is and how they are putting not only the community here in Hawaii at risk, but your own communities at risk in case these soldiers bring back the virus like they did recently. The Thai military just did a three-week military training exercise with the units at Schofield. And when they got back to Thailand, many of their troops tested positive for coronavirus, meaning they caught it in the U.S. or on the U.S. base with U.S. military troops, um, meaning that the U.S. military is unable to control the outbreak within their own ranks and numbers. And Thailand has since said they will not be participating in any further military exercises with the United States because of this, because of how angry they are with the United States over this. So the U.S. can continue to flex their muscles all they want, but the world knows that they're acting irresponsibly and putting everyone at risk. And so if you care about your community, please reach out to your authorities uh, and officials and help force us to get people to withdraw.
and continue putting pressure. If our impact does happen to go forward, that doesn't mean our job is over. That doesn't mean we give up. We have to keep fighting. It's important to understand that even if they do get this, we have to keep going because this is a fight that's been going on for a long time. You know, canceling RIMPAC is a long-standing endeavor since the 1970s and 80s when it was first started and began with the bombing of Ko'olawe here in Hawaii. And so we're continuing a long tradition of resistance to U.S. militarism and empire. And we're going to continue fighting until it's gone for sure and for good, until the Pacific is military free and independent once again please if you have the capacity i know everyone's very much struggling during this time of crisis please continue to speak up continue to speak out support us in any way you can we're going to be having a convoy this coming sunday the 16th of august to oppose the rimpac war games we're pushing for them to be canceled as we see this major spike here in hawaii of cases the convoy will meet up at 12 noon at Sand Island near METC or Marine Educational Training Center and will proceed to Pearl Harbor past the Makalapa Gate and then come down into Waikiki and past the military hotel that sits illegally on seized Hawaiian land known as Halekoa and show that we're not in favor of allowing militarism or militarism or any kinds of exploitation of Hawaiian land any further. We would really appreciate that. And if you live in Hawaii, one of the things we are encouraging people to do is make a cardboard sign that says cancel RIMPAC or any other slogan that relates to that and put it on fences near roads. If you live in the Waimanalo area, I recommend putting it on the Bellows Airfield fence anywhere possible. Please, like, let's just get the word out. And yeah, that's all for me. Thank you again. And once again, cancel RIMPAC 2020 now and forever. That was so important. Thank you for your timely update on Cancel Rimpact Coalition's efforts. Very important. So, like Kavena said, the Cancel Rimpact convoy will be happening this Sunday, the 16th of August. They will be meeting at 12 p.m. noon at Sand Island or the Marine Educational Training Center. And they'll be going to Pearl Harbor and then to Waikiki and Halekoa. So definitely, if you are able to participate in that convoy, I would totally do it um, if I lived there. And other ways you can help them include making a cardboard cancel RIMPAC sign and putting it everywhere, your window, your lawn, or on fences, Maybe not your window. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Or you can write your elected officials and let them know that you don't support RIMPAC happening in Hawaii or in your specific country. I completely and totally support Cancel RIMPAC's efforts. If you want to know more, definitely check out our show notes. Also, I will be including the links to the petition which I signed. If you could sign the petition and spread it among your friends and family, if you could please do that, that would be really awesome. And don't forget, if you want these updates, you can follow Kavena on his social networks, which I will include links to. If you see him on Twitter, you already know it's him. Somebody actually tried to impersonate him (laughs) this past week. I'm so sorry about that, Kavena. That was horrible. That was annoying. With the work that we do, I want to make it clear that we are not anti-military members. 
individual service members have nothing to do with RIMPAC and the decisions that get made at RIMPAC. And although some people might view it as a victory that RIMPAC is only going to be occurring at sea this year, let's not forget that it's been happening since the 70s. Every other year since the 70s, every year besides this year, they have had a force integration training phase. They have a free play phase. They have used missiles. They have used bombs. They sink ships. They leave their trash. They exert a huge amount of money, time, carbon, bombing, anti-ship missile practice, blowing up ships at sea, anti-submarine warfare, live fire shooting drills, long-range sonar. I'm not going to traumatize you any further, but um, that's just the reality of it. So if you would like to participate, even if we are not successful this year, if RIMPAC is not canceled this year, there's always going to be next time because while the United States is our colonizer, there will be a next time. United States is losing its grip right now in the world and it's going to try to hold on to that grip for as long as it can and something like RIMPAC is the biggest opportunity for the U.S. to show all these other countries, especially you know that now with the Philippines, the relationship between the U.S. and the Philippines is kind of getting a little faulty. So RIMPAC is a reason for the U.S. to show off their guns. That means that they're going to try to hold on to this tradition for as long as possible. Sainama Asikavena again for updating us. It was very educational and timely and important. And I wish you luck from Guahan. And now, my dear listener, why don't you take a quick break, drink some water, inhale. Exhale. And listen to this really quick update from Alisi, a Tongan diaspora woman living in California. Alisi has been in the LA Times recently for her organization's work on how COVID is affecting us Pacifica diaspora. Just a bit of background Alisi works for the nonprofit Orange County Asian and Pacific Islander Community Alliance as part of the National Pacific Islander COVID-19 response team. She is also working closely with both the Southern California Pacific Islander COVID-19 response team, as well as the Bay Area COVID-19 response team. That's a lot of things that she's juggling. So big props, big props, clap emojis all day for Elise. Thank you so much, Elise. You'll hear from her now. Warm greetings from the States. My name is Alice Tulua, and I'm here to share some updates on COVID-19 in the Pacific Islander community in the States. But before I get to that, I want to make sure that I follow our cultural protocol and pay my respects to the sacred land that I'm currently occupying and to the people whose land this belongs to. I want to pay my respects to the Ohlone people. Also, I want to pay my respects to our elders and our ancestors who have laid the foundation for the work that I am currently partaking in. 
I'm currently a program manager with the Orange County Asian and Pacific Islander Community Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization based in Orange County, California. And in my role, and in this time, I am part of the National Pacific Islander COVID-19 Response Team, which is a group of community leaders across the country who came together in late March to respond to this crisis and to provide support to our community. In that role, I'm also deeply involved with the Southern California Pacific Islander COVID-19 Response Team and also lend my support to the Bay Area COVID-19 Response Team. I want to share some data um, that hopefully will give you a better idea of what's going on in the country with regards to COVID-19 in our community. As of August 6th, the total number of Pacific Islander COVID-19 cases that have been reported broke the 10,000 mark. Our total NHPI Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander cases that have been reported is 10,079. And of those cases, 178 people have died due to COVID-19. Compared to a week ago, compared to data from July 29th, we had 9,267 cases and 158 deaths. So in a matter of a week, we had over 100 cases reported and 20 deaths reported in our population. So considering that data, um, this is data that has been collected from all of the states across the country that report our Pacific Islander data disaggregated from Asian and Pacific Islander. And of that data, the state that has the highest number of COVID-19 Pacific Islander cases is Arkansas with 2,193. Now, Arkansas does not hold the largest population of Pacific Islanders in the states. In fact, it's relatively smaller. However, there was a spread in one of the biggest employers of our Pacific Islander community in Arkansas. And unfortunately, that became community spread within our families. And that is why you have the highest number of COVID-19 cases in that state. Second to that is California with 1,979 cases. Um, and next to that is Utah, 1,729 cases. The other state that has over a thousand cases is Washington with 1,075 cases. And when you consider these numbers, there is still a steady increase in the number of Pacific Islander COVID-19 cases reported across the states that is reporting our data disaggregated. One of the pieces of information that has been really useful to us in our work is looking at the cases per 100,000 people. This number is really important because you're taking the total population in each state into account. And so then you're able to compare those case rates, is what we call it. You're able to compare those case rates to case rates from other racial and ethnic groups. And when you take those numbers into account, when you take our total population into account, there's a higher proportion of our population that is being infected by COVID-19 with regards to our total population. And in many of the states that report our data, we are ranked number one out of all race and ethnic groups 
with regards to infection rate with COVID-19. This is why we declare that COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting, impacting our Pacific Islander community than all other races and ethnicities. I believe that this information, you know, might have already been on many people's radar, but many people ask, like, why is that? Why is that the case? Why are we seeing these numbers in our community? One of the key reasons is that we have a high proportion of essential workers in our community. Many of those essential workers tend to be younger people. And many of those younger people are the part of the population that tend to be asymptomatic. And so we suspect that there is high asymptomatic spread of COVID-19 in our communities. The other reason is we live in multifamily homes. And so many of us live in close proximity to each other. And so there's higher likelihood of spread if somebody brings the virus into the home. One of the other really scary parts of this is that we also live in multi-generational homes where we have grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren in the same home. And so if somebody carries the virus into the home, there's higher likelihood of it infecting our elders who tend to be more vulnerable and also passing it on to other younger people who tend to be asymptomatic tend to engage outside of the household um, and then end up spreading it even more. There's definitely a lack of information and a lack of cultural specific, linguistically specific engagement with our community. And so our role as uh, response teams, both regionally and at the national level, is to try to get as much information into a community in a culturally relevant way and also Um, to translate information into our different languages so we can get information into our community. One of the other factors that impact our community, which is impacting all communities in this country, is the fact that this issue has become politicized. So something as simple as wearing a mask has become politicized. And so many people take up their political identity as a shield to following protocol and following the guidelines that have been given to us by medical professionals. Unfortunately, that has not worked out well for our community. One of the key factors that many people talk about is the fact that um, we have high prevalence of underlying conditions in our community, which puts our community at higher risk of severe reactions to being infected with COVID-19 and also higher probability and risk for death if you're infected. Um, These underlying conditions include diabetes, heart disease, liver disease, and any other conditions that compromise one's immune system. These conditions are prevalent in our community. And so if there is a you know transmission or exposure to the to the virus there's higher likelihood that somebody will suffer severely from it or will die from it in our community one of the things that we have really focused on in our effort as a response team is to build a narrative and to build messages around love and around 
how we can reframe the way that we love each other as a community that is used to gathering and communing and being with each other. Uh, We're encouraging our community to love each other from a distance and to just change the way that we love into loving each other enough to take care of ourselves and one another. And with that, you know, so I don't keep going on and on. There's more information about what's going on in our community through the Southern California Response Team's website, which is at pacificislanderhealth.org. You can also find a lot of more information specifically about what I've shared here on our Facebook at Pacific Islander Response Team and also on our Instagram at Pacific Islander COVID-19. So with that, I want to just encourage all of you to continue to take care of each other because when you take care of each other, we take care of everyone else. And I wish you all health and safety and love. Ofatu. All right. Sainama Asi Elisi for your really important perspective. Very good statistics included in her talk, as well as a beautiful send-off that we Pacific Islanders need to think about. How can we show our love and maintain our cultures to accommodate this coronavirus pandemic? Because to live as if we should not have to accommodate this goes against the ideals of our cultures. We are Chamorros, we are Tongans, we are Kanaka Mali, we are Micronesians, Melanesians, Polynesians, Pacific peoples first. Our cultures promote community and not necessarily individualism, which feel how you want to feel about it, but I'm not mad. We are not and have never been perfect, but we're trying. So with the help of you, my dear listener, and other thoughtful people, we can continue forward into the future with, you know, temporary modifications for COVID. And that is fine. Let us look towards science for guidance to protect our elders. Because although COVID affects anyone and everyone, it definitely has a biggest effect on the elderly, those with chronic illness, and Pacifica people are already at risk for that, like Elise said. So please, please, please take care of yourselves. I really appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast, and I would hate to hear about any of you getting sick. I hate seeing it. I absolutely despise it. So let's just all try to get on the other side of this new normal together, please. Also, do not forget that the next episode, which I know you've been waiting to hear, is on artivism. And that should be dropping this Sunday. So I hope you're excited. Let me leave you with this quote from the awesome poet, Teresa Siogotonu, about art. Art creates change, or at the very least, it inspires it. I think artists can teach those in power a thing or two about love, justice, and peace. Hmm. I have to agree with Teresa on that one. This is the end of the second bonus episode. Saina Maasi, thank you so much for your attention. Let us know what you think at Deep Pacific Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Also, I really, really appreciate all of the reviews that we've been getting on Apple Podcasts. 
as well as on our social media. For now, that is the best way to reach us. Sainama Asi for listening. Thank you.